Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's Hey, what's up? This is Dorsey Levins, former Green Bay Packer, former Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket. You are listening to Taylor Made Sports with my man, Kevin Taylor. All right. Thank you so much for another exciting edition of Taylor Made Sports with Kevin Taylor and joining me on this week's program. It is great to have everyone along, and I'm so glad that you are here with me. Of course, coming up on this program, we're going to preview the big showdown inside the Georgia Dome this coming Sunday with the Atlanta Falcons and the Washington Redskins. Also, we're going to preview the Georgia Bulldogs, Georgia Tech, and Georgia State's upcoming games over the weekend as uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Georgia State will be in action. Georgia State is the only team that will be at home, but at the same time, I know that all three will be looking to get back onto the right track and uh, trying to get back to the winning ways, that's for sure. Also, basketball season is right around the corner where we are going to um, uh, preview the NBA season, the upcoming NBA season, so make sure that you stay close for that as well. So a lot is on for this week's program right here on Taylor May Sports with Kevin Taylor. Thank you so much for being a part of it, and I'm so glad that you are here. And, of course, if you'd like to keep up with the program, all you have to do is reach out to me on Facebook and Twitter, Kevin Taylor 98. Again, that's Kevin Taylor 98. And uh, I thank you so much for everyone who has followed me, uh, friended me on Facebook. So uh, thank you uh, for that. All right, but let's jump right into the program as we are going to begin the program with the Atlanta Falcons, which seems off to a great start. You know, quarter of the season is over, and they are 4 and 0, a perfect record for the first month of the season. Kind of reminds you of the Atlanta Hawks midway through last season for sure, right? You know, they had an undefeated month. The Falcons are having an undefeated month, so we've got to make sure that keeps going. And this week will be a test inside the Georgia Dome against the 2-2 two and two Washington Redskins. The Redskins come in and uh, the third best record in the NFC East. And, you know, a little bit of controversy this week uh, up in Flowery Branch, which is just north of Atlanta, as uh, Roddy White, you know, he basically was uh, trying to say in an interview that uh, he was basically not wanting to be relegated to being a blocking wide receiver and only getting the ball, you know, whatever. Because right now Julio Jones has been the main go-to guy in the Falcons offense, and, you know, Julio is just playing phenomenally right now. So, of course, you still go with that hot hand. Why wouldn't you? Roddy, um, you know, he's always maintained his his day, if you will, you know, and his um, desire to want to be a Falcon and to do whatever it takes to help the team win. But uh, I think a little bit of frustration has grown there. I thought a little bit of it was Roddy. They've still been pretty much feeling the effects of elbow surgery. That's what I was thinking as to why he was not getting a lot of catches early on in the season. But uh, Roddy returned to the team on Thursday after Wednesday. He was trying to uh, handle some personal business. But he returned to the team on Thursday, and uh, uh, he was uh, encouraged about his role following a meeting with head coach Dan Quinn. And I believe Dan Quinn really, if any distractions come up, wants to get everything kind of nipped as quickly as possible. Uh, The wide receiver said he missed Wednesday's practice to be with his mother, who had surgery. And uh, White, of course, who's the Falcons' all-time leading receiver, is only fifth on the team with six catches this season. 
Can you believe it? Six inches. And that he complained about his diminished role earlier in the league, but um, he pretty much, of course, as usual, downplayed those comments. Um, he said it's really not controversial. My role is what it is. I talked to DQ. You know, that's when you know you got to be in good. When, they, when the players are calling the head coach by their initials, you know, sometimes my, my friends call me by my initials. So, you know, that's when you know you got to be in good. So Dan Quinn, I think, will be in Atlanta for a while because DQ, and I don't mean Dairy Queen, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it has a great relationship with the players. Uh, but he said, uh, my role is what it is. I've talked to DQ, and we've gotten past that. The Falcons, like I said, are 4-0, and, uh, you know, just really relying on Julio Jones right now. He's been a big contributor in their passing game for the Falcons, at least the NFL with 38 catches. And, of course, when you have a triple threat, Matt Ryan dispersing the ball, you know, uh, with numerous receivers, you got the main receiver, Julio Jones, catching for big yardage, and Devontae Freeman, who came on with a swing. You know, for you Jodeci fans, you know, you'll you'll get that later. But uh, <laughs> Devontae uh, Freeman is doing very well in the running attack, uh, filling in for Tevin Coleman. And who's to say Tevin Coleman will uh, be the starting back when he returns from injury? Uh, Roddy has only two catches in the last three games, though. Uh, Roddy's now 33, and he said he's taking a positive outlook in the Sunday's game against the Redskins. He said he expects more opportunities as defenses key in on Jones. He also said he understands he must be patient for the first time in his 11 seasons because, you know, when Rodney came in from UAB, Alabama, Birmingham, um, you know, he was going to be counted upon as a guy who was going to be a contributor. So now it's like, you know, someone is kind of taking that role from him. So, of course, I can see where he is in new territory. So we'll see how that goes. He also said sometimes you've got to sit back and just be patient. And I've got got to be very patient around here for for the time I've been around here because I've, been getting a lot of passes thrown to me. So, like I said, he's in new territory. And uh, so Dan Quinn also said that there's going to be opportunities there going forward, so we'll see how that will be. Uh, the meeting took place on Thursday before Falcons practice, and uh, White said to talk about football and his role in offense and uh, what it's going to be. So uh, just a clearing of the air. So I don't think it was a lot of controversy there. But, of course, you know, a lot of things could be said uh, about, you know, this situation or, um, you know, how it's being handled or play, being played out. But I, I think they're handling, handling it the right way. They they met the same week that it happened. Uh, unfortunately, Roddy went to the media to get this out of the open first. He had to point to Dan Quinn. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure probably Dan Quinn in the offseason or preseason probably told Roddy that, hey, Julio may be our main guy, or even uh, Cal Shanahan probably said what was going to be going on, but you're still going to get your amount of passes. But that has not worked out that way. You know, sometimes defenses can throw that plan off, but I'm pretty sure they probably talked, and um, they probably have a good game plan going into this week's game against Washington. Uh, White does hold franchise records for career catches, yards receiving, and touchdown catches. Uh, Jones, Miller, Hakerson, Devontae Freeman, and tight end Jacob Tammy have more catches than Roddy White. And our running back, Tevin Coleman, is expected to return from a rib injury this week. So that will give uh, quarterback Matt Ryan another target, especially coming out of the backfield. So we'll see if um, it's going to be a one-two punch or a limited one-two punch between uh, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. So Tevin Coleman might get the start or Devontae Freeman will be in there as well. So uh, uh, just 
you know, a good plan, good game plan uh, all around for the Falcons. I think it will be in order on uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, some other notes, linebacker uh, Justin Durant was the only player to miss practice. Uh, Quinn said he's fully confident Coleman is ready to play, though, and uh, he was trying to get the bid, he said, to get back in the game. And um, Dan Quinn actually was asked about him sharing the load with uh, Devontae Freeman. And Quinn said, I think that was the play against the team drafted Coleman this year. So we'll see how that that plays out. All right. So Falcons uh, game this Sunday against the Washington Redskins inside the Georgia Dome is at 1 o'clock. And you can catch the game on your local Fox station, especially if you're probably in the Mid-Atlantic area or the Southeast. And Cal uh, Shanahan, you know, he's going to have that offense good and running. You know, that's for sure, because Cal Shanahan, of course, used to be the offensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins while his dad was there as the head coach. And does he probably miss D.C.? Mm, probably not. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. I, I would. I really wouldn't think so. You. You have a much better situation here from what everybody's saying about how Daniel Snyder runs the team, pretty much with the ironclad fist. Uh, you know, I, I. I probably wouldn't make on that. Kyle Shanahan is regretting leaving Washington, uh, but he is in a better situation now. That's for sure. With Dan Quinn, and much more. I would say balanced situation, and I wonder if he can pretty much um, use his creativity. And uh, I think that uh, going forward, the, the sky's the limit, especially with Kyle Shanahan as being off as a coordinator. I know, I know. That probably says a lot, but I think that is the case. Uh, but now one other bit of news, um, the Falcons did place Devin Hester uh, of course, he's their uh, return specialist, a wide receiver. Uh, of course, he has been playing a little bit more wide receiver than being a return specialist here lately, uh, since last season because he hasn't been on the field this year. But they had to uh, place him on injury reserve designated to return with a turf toe injury. That was earlier this week. It was on Tuesday. Hester will be eligible to return against Tampa Bay in Tampa on December 6th. Uh, Hester, who actually earned his fourth Pro Bowl, uh, last season, he has not played this season because of the injury. He set an NFL record with 20 returns for touchdowns with a 62-yard per return against the Buccaneers last season in Atlanta, his first with the Falcons, and he also had a 38, had 38 catches for 504 yards and two touchdowns. So they really want to get him back on the field. The Falcons also signed safety Charles Godfrey and tight end Tony Malachi and uh, released tight end Mickey Schuler that was also this week. Godfrey played for the Falcons in Carolina last season. Miyake uh, signed with the Falcons in the offseason, but was cut before the season. And Shuler was on the roster for only one week. Wow. So you never know. He may be back. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. It's Taylor Bay Sports with Kevin Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me. Remember that you can uh, keep up with the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kevin Taylor 98. Again, that's Kevin Taylor 98. So make sure that uh, you. Uh, always stay in the know with what's going on with Taylor Mays Sports. Coming up, we're going to hear some comments from Georgia State head coach Trent Miles because uh, Georgia State is not playing their very best football right now. They're one and three. Yeah, and they've got a tough test coming up this coming Saturday inside the Georgia Dome against Appalachian State. So um, we'll see how that plays out. Now, uh, you know. Hmm. 
<laughs> we're going to talk college football. I guess you could tell from the way I set up Georgia State. Um, this was not a good week. Or last week, it was not a good week for the Georgia fans. Uh, Georgia lost. Georgia Tech lost. Georgia State lost. Um, it was supposed to be game of the year, basically, in the state. The Georgia Bulldogs hosting the Alabama Crimson Tide. And it was not to be. The game was over, and it was over early. Georgia was – the game was handed to him early. The tide came in and really rolled past Georgia, 38-10. to 10. Georgia was in the top 10 before this game. Now they're in the top 20. And now they're in 19. And uh, Georgia will play at Tennessee on Saturday. Oh, Rocky Top is where they're going to Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, – you know, a lot of people are now on the bandwagon again. And, you know, well, we need change. We need this. Georgia can't get over the hump. We keep Mark Rick. But you got to be careful of that. got to be careful. Because if you want change in the program, not every change is the best change. We've seen that with Michigan. We've seen that with Ohio State. We've seen that with Texas. We've seen that in years past with uh, schools in the Pac-12, like UCLA, um, previously. Uh, so, you know, I don't think that Georgia fans really should be outraged. Because, like I said, history would tell us, not, not even recently, but just in the years past, that when you – Want to change? You have to be careful of how you go about the change. Not saying that Georgia officials are going to make a bad hire, but Mark Rick, remember this guy has done a lot for the program. Uh, he has had a steady program. Um, it may not be one that's garnering. Uh, you know, you being in the national championship game every year. But it's still a program that, like I said, is consistent. It's consistent. And whether you get back to the SEC championship game, possibly, maybe, maybe not. If you get back on the national level, possibly, maybe not. But the main thing is you have consistency. Uh, now, on a big stage, Mm. It's consistent that Georgia normally does not win the big game. I'm just being honest. I'm in Georgia. (laughs) I'm in Atlanta. So think about if Athens is calling for Mark Rick to not be the head coach, what do you think the atmosphere like in Atlanta is where you have more people? Yeah, it's not pretty. Uh, Every time Georgia loses a big game, even though they're 4-1, they still can get back to the SEC championship game, mind you. If they take care of business in the SEC East, it's still not good for the Georgia fan. But like I told you, you have to be careful as to what you ask about. Georgia, like I said, they're ranked 19th. They're 4-1 to travel to Knoxville to take on Tennessee, who's 2-3. And, three. and uh, that game, you can catch it on CBS on Saturday at 3.30. As Mark Rick heard, a lot of criticism from Georgia fans, um, they're basically impatient for a championship. 
And, uh, you know, they lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game about three years ago, I believe. Uh, but Rick understands. He's taking it humbly. He said, quote, I don't blame people for being critical of what happened last Saturday. I don't at all. I love the passion of our fans that they care enough. I really do. But we are more critical than they are as far as you look at yourselves in the mirror and say you didn't get the job done. So like I said, he said, he, he says, I don't blame people for being critical of what happened on Saturday. And so basically it looks like you did not come to play, but you're not blaming people. You know, they have a right to, of course, be upset. Hey, you know, these are two pretty good teams that you are basically run out of your own home stadium. But maybe he told his team something a lot different. I don't know. But following last weekend, 38-10, loss to Alabama, number 19, Georgia, will play Tennessee on Saturday. And um, he said the loss got everybody's attention for the Tennessee game. And uh, instead of being undefeated and at the top of the SEC's Eastern Division, Georgia now trails Florida. Yeah. Uh, also, during this time, the loss triggered old questions about Georgia's inability to win the big game, like I said under Rick, especially against Alabama. Now, check this out. Georgia was ranked number one in 2008 when Alabama raced to a 31-nothing halftime lead and won the game 41-30 to at Sanford Stadium. So, like, shades of years past, right? The Bulldogs won the SEC East. They won the SEC championship. They won the SEC championships early in Mark's era, but the check this out. The last title to come to the Georgia Bulldogs came in 2005, 10 years ago. Georgia lost in the 2011 and 2012 SEC championship games, and um, the 2012 loss was to Alabama. Yeah. See, Malcolm Mitchell, he remembers that, I'm sure, because he understands the fans' frustration. Uh, but Mitchell said he received only positive feedback from fans, so he also said, I know after Saturday I got several messages on social media of fans being supportive, encouraging us to keep moving forward. So we'll see if they move forward this coming Saturday against uh, Tennessee. Um, you know, uh, Rick also said that uh, they shouldn't have they shouldn't have uh, have tried to run around Alabama's defense on a soggy field. But that's in hindsight now, as uh, we'll see how the Bulldogs fare against Tennessee and if they will come out. Uh, if they come out with a lot of aggression, I would say. So uh, we'll see. Uh, Nick Chubb, he still did his thing. He ran for 146 yards. Georgia's only touchdown came on Chubb's 83-yard run in the second half. It gave him 13 straight games with at least 100 yards rushing. Tying Hershey Walker's school record. Georgia's list of Walker streak includes the 1981 Sugar Bowl. So uh, we'll see if Nick Chubb can keep that 100-yard streak going. So, and we'll see if there will be um, an in-and-out routine of quarterbacks between Grayson Lambert and uh, Bryce Ramsey. So that's another aspect, too, that we're not going to really get into, just only that, yes, um, I would say that um, there needs to be probably another evaluation of the quarterback position with Georgia. Uh, on the Tennessee side, wide receiver Marquez North is expected to return after missing the Arkansas game with lower back stiffness. So, um, also, wide out Alton Howard, who's better known as Pig Howard, however, was kicked off the team on Wednesday for a violation of unspecified team rules. Howard led the balls last season with 54 catches for 618 yards, but he had only one reception this year after missing the last two games with a concussion and being suspended for the season opener. 
for a team rules violation. So, like I said, you can catch all the action of this one between Georgia and Tennessee on Saturday afternoon on CBS. 3.30, keep up. Don't be late, all right? It's Taylor May Force. I'm your host, Kevin Taylor. And we're not going to talk Georgia Tech football. It's Georgia Tech. Oh, my goodness. You know, I support Georgia Tech. I'm not feeling like this in a, in a good while. They came out of the gate fast, furious, in a hurry. Jumped out to a 2-0 and record. But then those were the teams they were playing. Well, <laughs> I'm just putting it mildly. But then, okay, after the 2-0 and start, you go up against Notre Dame, Duke, North Carolina. Now, look at who you have on the schedule. Clemson. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. North Carolina, uh, Notre Dame, Duke, North Carolina. You lose all three. Now you have four no Clemson, who leads the Atlantic Coastal Division in your conference. Georgia Tech is two and three. They're sixth in the ACC. Clemson is number one. Tech is in the Coastal Division. Clemson is in, is in the Athletic Division. Uh, it's amazing how Georgia Tech was projected as an early season contender. But Paul Johnson tried to he tried to tell us that this team was not what they were predicted to be. And now we see that. So we'll see if Clemson will be dancing at the end of the day on Saturday. So this game is also at 3.30 in Clemson. And, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't I don't really, I mean, I don't really give guarantees, of course, but if I had to choose, you know, I'm going with the home team. That's, that's a given. But at the same time, I think we're going to have an upset here. I think Georgia Tech will do some soul searching and they're going to come out with a win. They're going to come out and be victorious here. Against Clemson. Clemson is ranked sixth in the country. They're not going to take this game lightly. But I think Georgia Tech, if they do enough on defense, which has been oof, not good, uh, the offense has been shut down. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just being real. You have to change up your offense. You cannot become one-dimensional of running the football, expecting that to win you games. You, you, you've given defenses now something to prepare for, better tape, better history. No, you have to throw the football. Do you hear me? So we'll see if they throw the football. Georgia Tech, that is, coming up on Saturday. Like I said, the game is at 3.30, and you catch it on ABC as well as ESPN, too. So um, a double coverage here for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Um, Clemson's coming off a big win after they beat Notre Dame. Uh, so they did what, of course, Tech could not do in this situation. That's beat the Fighting Irish. So when you can't beat the Fighting Irish, with one team that could not beat them, and then you're playing a team that could, you know, the team that could is going to come in with a lot of swag, you know. So we'll see how this plays out. The Tigers are 4-0, and uh, they moved, like I said, back into the top 10. Um, the late rally, you know, the Clemson show, but uh, the Tigers, they, they're resilient. That's for sure. Uh, Clemson showed off many strong attributes that it hopes it can carry into this game. Georgia Tech 
like I said, who comes into the game at two and three. The Tigers rush for 199 yards against Notre Dame, and Notre Dame actually allowed 138 yards a game on the ground coming in. Uh, Wayne Gallman came two yard, two uh, uh, run yards shy of a second straight 100 yard game. So, wow, you know that's phenomenal. Clemson's defense forced four turnovers in the second half, including two in the final seven minutes to prevent Notre Dame's rally. The defensive line got the push across the line of scrimmage, you know, a game uh, tying score. So, um, the Jackets they were ranked 14th a few weeks back, but have lost three straight games. And now uh, they have not dropped four in a row since 1996. And according to Justin Thomas, nobody expected us to be here. I didn't. The team didn't. But we put ourselves in this hole. Now we've got to pick ourselves out of it. Uh, safety Jamal Golden said it's about not letting current problems get the best of you. So we'll see how that goes. Um, he also said that uh, uh, it's not about getting uh, letting the current problems spiral into a lost season and seeing – uh, these three defeats triple into six or seven losses. We've got to just take it next week, get ready for Clemson, and try to get back into the W column. So, uh, wow. So after the Jackets face two, uh, Alcorn State and Tulane, it's been downhill for them. So hopefully the Jackets can get back into the winning winning column and uh, you know get back to some winning ways here as they come into the middle part of the season, but uh, we will see for that. All right, now, Georgia State. Now, they have had a hard time, you know, this season with uh, manufacturing wins, that's for sure. Uh, they are 1-3. So, even though they have some bright spots, but they cannot put four quarters of football together. Um. I was at the game for homecoming last week, and I saw some great, great things, but also a few things that could have been improved. Georgia State, their defense could not get off the field. Liberty doubled them in time of possession. Can you, can you figure that? Time of possession. Wow. Georgia State comes into this game at one and three, but they're still first in the Sun Belt Conference because the the only win was in in their conference. Uh, this game is inside the Georgia Dome against Appalachian State. On Saturday afternoon at 3.30, Appalachian State 3-1 and 5th in the Sun Belt. Go figure, right? And Georgia State is 1-3, and three and they come in first in the conference. Uh, so I think what Georgia State would have to do is get out to a fast start, keep their offense on the field with a lot of long drives, and uh, they should be victorious in this game because I think that defense more than likely had its fair share last week. Let's hear a post-game comments from Trent Miles about last week's loss to Liberty. We were outplayed today. Hats off to Liberty for coming in here and, and uh, being able to run the ball like they were and do what they did on the offensive side of the football. Uh, Got to get back to the drum board. I got to do a better job getting our defense tackled and uh, getting back to the way we were. Uh, tackling before this game and uh, got on offense. When you get into games like this and they're scoring as much as they are, you can't miss a possession. You can't have a punt or you, and you can't settle for field goals. You've got to go down and be able to score a touchdown. On the offensive side, we were able to do that. And uh, he and I have got to do a better job. All right, so Coach Miles pretty much summed it up there as to what uh, they have to do 
especially going forward. Now, at the press conference for Coach Miles, I asked him, especially going into this game with Appalachian State, you know, about the team's confidence. You know, we've got resilient kids. They'll, they'll, they'll bounce back and they'll come to play. I mean, our, our kids don't quit. They won't, they won't do that. They'll stick together. They're a good group, good group of kids. We just got to be able to do this when the time comes and the pressure situation, all, all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams have to play together to, to win the game. All right, so you got to play together, and they're resilient guys, and, you know, just put four quarters of football together, and they should be able to come away with a victory. All right, well, we'll see, like I said, Saturday's game against Appalachian State is at 3.30 inside the Georgia Dome. So if you're in the Atlanta area, make sure that you go out and support GSU, Georgia State football, and the Panthers. Panther Nation will be proud of you for sure. All right, the Atlanta Hawks were in action in preseason. So uh, get ready because basketball season is pretty much here. So we got some guys who are returning from injury that are looking pretty good, looking to contribute. And uh, the Hawks beat Cleveland 98-96. to How about that? So uh, Hawks looking pretty good. They played that game in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so uh, Hawks get a W in preseason. So coming up on the next epi- uh, next uh, program of uh, Taylor Make Sports, we're going to talk to – uh, Hawks uh, radio voice of the Atlanta Hawks, I should say, Steve Holman, and get his take on this upcoming season for sure. So the Atlanta Hawks are are getting uh, the season uh, ready, you know, and getting some guys back. Kyle Corver, Tabo Sevalosha, uh, Shelvin Mack, you know, was in, uh, injured in the uh, conference championship. Bob Millsap probably was not at 100% uh, during the playoffs, but he's coming back as well. So, uh, so, um, and answer questions on that small forward position. So getting some things answered. So uh, we'll see how that, that works out. The Hawks will be back in action on October 9th, which is Friday night, because New Orleans, that game will be in Jacksonville, Florida, at the Veterans Memorial Arena. Uh, so uh, if you're in the Jacksonville area, make sure that you go out and, and take a look at the Atlanta Hawks. And then um, on Wednesday, October 14th, the Hawks will be in action at home against San Antonio. So, uh, so you'll get to see uh, the Spurs and Hogs in action there. Then uh, on October 16th, they travel to Dallas to face the Mavericks. And uh, let's see, uh, October 18th, the Hawks will be at home against Miami. And on the 21st, Memphis to town to take on the Hawks. On the 23rd, uh, so uh, you have the Hawks taking on Detroit. And so uh, that should, I think, be the final preseason game there. And then it kicks off on October 27th as Detroit comes to Phillips Arena to take on the Hawks. Uh, I think that kicks off the regular season, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, on October 29th, the Hawks go to New York to take on the Knicks. October 30th, they will play Charlotte uh, at home. So uh, that rounds out the month for the Atlanta Hawks. The preseason is in full effect for the Atlanta Hawks right now. So uh, make sure that uh, you support the Atlanta Hawks for for sure, and uh, they will love you for that as they embark on another season. So, you know, the Hawks are going to have basically a lot of Eastern Conference teams gunning for them because of that season that they had last year. So we'll see if they can uh, keep up the great work. And I think Coach Boonholzer and his staff will uh, do a great job as – they are coming off of a uh, number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, that's that's for sure. All right, now 
as before we close the program, you know, the Atlanta Braves did not have a great season. They won 67 games, and uh, July, August, some of September did not look good for the Braves, but probably July and August. It's not looking good. The Braves sweep the Cardinals. And see, this is my thing about this series. It was it didn't matter. The Cardinals had already wrapped up the National League Central Division. It was like we just have to play because we're we have to play, basically. Uh, we have to round out the season. You know, you you know, we're gonna put guys on the field, but hey, just go ahead, win, just do enough because hey. We don't have anything left. The Cardinals finished 162 on the season, first in the National League Central. The Braves finished fourth in the NL East at 67 and 95. But uh, John Hart said the Braves will be better. Uh, you know, he's uh, you know still in the leadership role with the Braves, even though the Braves did hire a general manager. But at the same time, uh, the Braves say, I, I hope that this team really does be competitive Next year, as SunTrust Park is going up north of Atlanta, uh, the northwest side of the city, but uh, the Braves have some good young pieces coming back pitching-wise. And I think the last series of the season, or at least the last week of the season, you probably got an idea what the starting lineup would look like in 2016. So I think it's going to be encouraging. I don't think they'll win 67 games. I think they'll win more than 67 games. But also, it depends on what they do in the offseason. Will A.J. Perzinski be back? Will Nick Marquez be back? Will Michael Bourne be back? Uh, Cameron Maben, you know, I'm pretty sure it probably will be some a team that will probably want to go out and, and uh, you know, maybe trade for Cameron Maben. Or even, you know, would you want to bring back guys who, you know, were in a limited role contributing? Uh, but these are some unanswered questions. Will they bolster their pitching staff? But the Braves finished below 70 wins for the first time since 1990. And, of course, you can tell they are rebuilding. 25 years ago was their worst the first season, and I was there as a usher at the old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. And now you have lost by nearly 100 games, but it's only for a moment. I think uh, the Braves will be back. Um, they're building on pitching. Uh, that's been mentioned uh, from John uh, Copanella. Uh, who was promoted to the Braves GM. He wants to get back to the youth that uh, got them so many great seasons in the 90s and uh, building with pitching for sure. And, of course, that farm system that John Hart talked about has been built uh, back to where it – or close to where it should be. Uh, President of Baseball Operations, John Hart, said earlier this week, we will be better in 2016. And he offered hope that maybe there could be an improvement of as many as 15 to 20 wins. Very encouraging, right? And uh, so you'd be in the middle of the pack then, and in 2017, you're moving into your new ballpark. You'd be competing for a division championship, hopefully. Um, you know, one problem is the lack of upper-level prospects among position players, though. Uh, the strength of the team was highlighted in the final three-game sweep of St. Louis. Uh, Julio Tehran, Shelby Miller, and Ricky Matt Whistler were the starting pitchers in shutouts. And Shelby Miller finally got a first, his first win since May. How about that? And I was fitting that the season closed with little offense and Whistler's 2 to nothing win. And, uh, of course, the Braves unloaded Justin Upton, Jason Hayward, Evan Gaddis, and Melvin Upton in the offseason. And uh, the uh, lack of offense finished last the majors at home runs. The Braves were 17-49 at this point. Runs. That was far too often. Um, 
But uh, they had some pretty uh, consistent pitching, that's for sure. Uh, Hart, manager Frank Gonzalez, and new manager, new general manager John Capalella. If you see the past Monday and looked ahead to 2016, the team's last season at Perkins, by the way, is like I said, they'll be moving into Sunshine Park in 2017. Now, right quick before we let you go, uh, here's what's coming up for the Braves. Uh, the team is planning uh, some relief and free agency. Uh, I said the bullpen is going to be a priority. Jason closer Craig Kimbrough before the season. Jason Greeley performed well in his replacement, but of course he was hurt uh, after Greeley uh, suffered a season-ending Achilles injury. And the trade back up John Johnson, uh, Jim Johnson rather. We're not going to get caught where we don't have any experience, any depth of bullpen. He said the Braves will monitor the recoveries of Willie and Withrow, who had Tommy John surgery and back surgeries before looking for relief help. Uh, A.J. Przinsky, who I told you about, could be difficult to resign after hitting 300. At 38, he was expected to be a backup, but Christian Bethencourt, who's now 24, could hold the job. The Braves haven't given up on Bethencourt, but Hart says there is no denying the level of skills possessed by the young catcher. But he also noted that some point he had to cease. So they're watching him very closely. Uh, I said it's a, very important to have the right catcher from a young pitching staff, and it wouldn't be a surprise to see the team look for help at that position. They also asked for patience with uh, uh, Oliveira, Hector Oliveira, uh, because they traded Alex Wood, who was a left-handed pitcher at second baseman Jose Peraza, uh, you know, to the Dodgers to get uh, Oliveira on July 30th. Oliveira hit 253 with two home runs in 24 games with the Braves. And uh, Oliveira needs more experience in the majors. Oliveira, who is from Cuba, will play winter ball in Puerto Rico. So that's where you will see him. Uh, this winter, the team will play Oliveira $13 million over five years. So that's a big investment uh, for a guy at his age and also who is known to be injured. And he said that's a real value for what we think he will be. Uh, Adonis Garcia, another third baseman from Cuba, he had two home runs and Sunday, nothing finished. Uh, of the season, he finished with 10 home runs. Uh, Gonzalez said Jose Garcia, who is also 30, will have a chance to play in the outfield if he was as a backup first baseman. And uh, John Garcia left-handed Mike Miner, who had season-ending surgery in May to repair the labrum in his left shoulder, is up and throwing. Miner can reclaim a spot in the rotation in spring training if he proves the shoulder is sound. The setback will not be good, though, so I'm sure they'll be monitoring him as well. So you got a lot of people, you know, pretty much in the mix. So Freddie Gonzalez, John Hart, and John Coppola, uh at the head of the Braves organization right now, making moves as we are now in the offseason uh, in baseball in Atlanta. All right, well, that's for this edition of Taylor Made Sports with Kevin Taylor. Thank you so much for listening. And, of course, we'll do it again here in the next few days. Like I told you earlier, you can always listen to Taylor Made Sports on demand and keep up with me on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram at Kevin Taylor 98. All right. Never be discouraged. Always encouraged, everyone. Until next time, I'm out.